Well, welcome back. They uh, decided to let us do another episode of the Dirt Exchange podcast. We're on episode two. Can't so. believe it, but yes, I can. Here we are, <laughs> ready to country and roll. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we did the first one, obviously, and we did it uh, in a pretty short time frame. So we learned a lot from, from that first one and things that we're going to do a little bit different, a little bit better. Uh, hopefully you don't hear any any uh, road noise in this one or anything like that. But um, I just thought we'd kind of start talking about some commodity prices and some other hot topics that are that are you know facing everybody today and kind of go from there we do have a, a guest coming up as well so sounds good sounds good well why don't we just roll with it Chris and get into some of these commodity prices that you want to hit on yeah absolutely well soybeans um, as of today which is June 24th um, they're up six and a half uh, corn is up three and a quarter and uh, wheat rose to I think about two and a quarter. Uh, it's up in the 528 range, which you kind of touched on on last the last episode with with everything that's going on in Russia and then being hot and burning up. That our export is going to grow on that a little bit, and it kind of looks like it like it does. Let's hope that trend continues. And uh, and furthermore, you know, we have some rough rough roads ahead of us, some rough rough weather ahead of us, and so forth. Um, one thing I want to point out on on as far as the uh, prices go, um, hopefully they keep heading north. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot of factors with that. Um, Mother Nature being one of those factors, yep. as as she has been so far. But uh, you know, neither one of us are experts at at making predictions. Yep. If we were, you know, we wouldn't be doing this today. Right. So, right. Hey, exactly. Here we are. Yep. So. Anyway, um, what about the, the the G20 summit that's coming up? That's a good question or a good point uh, to be made. Um, you know, like you had pointed out, today is the 24th of June. The big G20 summit, uh, big economic powers are getting together, 28th yeah. and 29th, which uh, uh, which should matter um, somewhat um, to our. To our ag economy, yeah. our, our commodity prices and so forth. Um, you know, if 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 they can get some trade going with China and, and some of these other economic powers, if we can export more of yeah. our crop, um, well, I think we'll see. I I think I sincerely think we'll see our prices go north. Yeah. Well, I think anytime you can, you know, get a, a group of leaders to a table and sit down and discuss it, that that it's for the better in the long run. Now. Yeah, there might not be that instant gratification. It might take three months, four months, five months, a year, whatever it may be. But obviously, the farmers, you know, out there, the people who who depend on this, the livelihood, you know, our economy as well, you know, will benefit greatly if, if these things keep going up. Know that the, that they're working on it and, yes. and they're pushing for it. So it is a focus, which obviously nobody wants to be the forgotten soul. And, and in this case, they're not. I agree. So I agree. Um, Good point. A couple, I guess, topics I wanted to hit on, or I, I've I guess been reading about that that are kind of you know hot in the in the industry right now is is you get a lot of talk about corporate farmers, family farmers, that kind of thing, and I think there's a little bit of a misconception there. I agree with you, Chris. I think people don't realize like 97% of all farms are family owned. Yes. Now, you might have the father's son that does their their farming, 
or you might have the family that has a CEO, you know, and, and a vice president and that kind of stuff that has 20, 30 employees underneath them that are ran more like a corporation. But at the end of the day, it's all, for the most part, family owned, operated. And, and the reason why that it, that it is, and it has to be, I think, is, is there's so much that goes into becoming a successful, a successful farmer or, you know, making a good go at it is you have to rely on your knowledge of the local soil, the weather, pest conditions, because that can vary from spot to spot. Like, you know, for instance, at your place, you have sandy river style soil. You know, you drive, you drive yep. 30 miles to my place and I have hard clay based big time clay yeah. soil. So there's, yeah. you, you approach those in a much different way. And, and we're not that far apart. And, yeah. Uh, so uh, much agreed there. Yeah. So, um, so in, in a prior life, you spent what, 20 years as a financial planner focused in the ag? 20 years as a financial planner and 90% uh, 90 of, 90 of my clientele was the uh, farming and ag yeah. and construction community. So when, when these families are, are working on the farm and, and they're trying to run a business, because at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a business, right? Yes. Um, there's different laws in the books and estate taxes and, and that kind of stuff. What are, what are some, some hot buttons for you or, or some, some things that, that you might suggest or that it's worth looking into and talking to their, their planner? Well, I guess there's, there's quite a few avenues to take. And one thing you hit on, Chris, is, is uh, you know, you, you had talked about, you know, bigger corporations and so forth and the farming avenues and, and, and you know, the CEOs and, and, and the ladder, mm -hmm. you know, the corporate ladder and so forth. And, and, and a lot of that and, and the, you know, the, the 30 employees. Yeah. And, and, and that's great and so forth because, you know, really um, the farmers have to structure um, you know, it's like la the last podcast, whether they have 40 acres or yeah. whether they have 20,000 acres, they, they, they truly have the, the tax laws on the book, they have the estate laws on the book, that, that they can create different entities yeah. um, to, to be able to, A, um, um, move their, you know, and move their move their farms into the next generation yeah. um, in in the current estate tax laws and so forth and we need those laws to stay on the books yeah. um, and, and then there's different tax laws um, that concur with those estate laws mm. um, that um, you know my my dad's generation was able to move to my generation mm -hmm. without paying, you know, inheritance yeah. tax, uh, estate tax. Well, and, you know, and, I, and I know, I know like in that, some places, so. like inheritance tax can be up to like 30%. Yeah. And that's just, that, that's a lot of money when you consider land, equipment, you know, that kind of stuff that you'd be transferring over. It's, it, can, it can be, it can be huge and it can be devastating. You know, a, a big thing, with these with these corporations, you know, we, we just can't we just can't bring a suit yeah. out to run our family farms. Yeah. It just can't be done. Yeah. They they cannot do what our family farms do, farmers do. Right. 
And uh, I guess my point to that is we have multi-generation family farms going yeah. on right now. I'm talking third generation, fourth generation, fifth generation. Yep. And how has that been done? You know? Right. Well, it, trial, uh, error, hard work, love, and caring. And you know, because there's, there's not a, a single person out there that's running a, a farm or a ranch or anything like that. That, that doesn't put their heart and soul into it. Amen. You know, because that's their livelihood. You know, and, and without that, they don't exist. You know, you, you've heard so many people from, you know, going back into the 80s, they went through their bankruptcies and, and that kind of stuff, and they went to town and they, they got a job. But what did they end up going back and doing? They went, and, they went back to farming, you know, when, when that kind of, you know, took care of itself or they worked their way out of it. You know, and they do that because they love what they do. It's and in their blood. It's a different passion. Farming is so cyclical. Yeah. And it's in their blood. It'll stay in their blood. Um, but uh, you, you go back to the 80s. I mean, I was there. I, well, I was I was really little. You so. know, I'm old. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, um, as you first stated on the podcast, <laughs> um, you know, I, I did live through that period of time. And uh, I remember the high interest rates. I remember the high inflation rates. I remember dealerships going out of the business, parting out pieces to sell, yeah, to close out their businesses. Yeah, it was it was pretty devastating. They had to merge their businesses yeah. and, and so forth, and and it was hard hard to borrow money. It was it, but it was, they had to really pinch their pennies at that time. But the positive thing is, it didn't stop them. It didn't stop. It didn't them hold them down. All. And, and I think, hopefully, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a father, as are you, and, and we always want to instill different things in our kids, and we want them to have a better life than we did growing up, and, and that kind of thing. And, and something that, that I hope translates to this next generation is the passion for farming. Because again, people don't realize, outside of the rural areas, what farming means to our country our economy. I mean, everybody's got to eat, right? It's just, it's just amazing. Everything we put on the table comes from the farmers. Yeah. Uh, what we put in our vehicles comes from farmers. Yeah. Um, it, you name it, it comes yeah. from farmers. So, I, I know that there's there's a lot of you know guys that are looking to to hand stuff down or have their 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 kin come in and 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 work with them. So bringing in that youth and kind of diversifying, you know, what you're doing, you know, makes sense, you know, and, and, and obviously they're not going to do the same things, you know, with the, the, this, this next generation as they did before. They're going to, you know, figure out a different way of doing things, whether it be right, wrong, indifferent, better, worse, whatever. But you don't do some the same things as your dad did, and I don't either, you know. No. So, so there will be some sort of migration in, in how how everything's done, so. But you know, and you know, speaking of, and getting to, back to the multi-generation, um, we have had such a weird 2019 yeah. so far, all over the country. Yeah. Um, it's not just, you know, in the Midwest, it's all over the country. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of uncertainty going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not talking with the market. We've already talked about the uncertainty with the market, but I'm talking about 
you know, I've, I've talked to people in the ag community, and I'm talking community, yeah. you know, farmers and dealers and so yeah. forth, um, that are, are uncertain. You know, we talk about multi-generation, passing it to the next generation, you know. And, uh, um, you know, what I'm hearing from talking around the, the people around the United States uh, and, and, and beyond, you know, yeah. north of the border and south of the border, yeah. is is there really needs to be diversification. And we're starting to see a lot of mm -hmm. diversification and we're start, starting to see a lot of different education in the youth mm -hmm. uh, as far as diversification. And I'm, I'm talking a lot of tech-savvy young people yeah. getting into this industry. Well, and I, and I can tell you this, you know, my, my in-laws farm, you know, my, my wife grew up on a, on a dairy farm and, and my father-in-law, you know, farms a few hundred acres does hay, cattle, that kind of stuff. Well, um, I got one brother-in-law that is uh, getting his graduate's degree for uh, science and nutrition and, and cattle. Um, the other one is he's going to be the farmer, right? Like that's that's what he loves, his passion. You know, he works for a dealership, and so for the first time last year, we had you know monitors and 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 that kind of stuff in the tractors that didn't exist before right. you know gps and, and that kind of stuff so it's, it's cool to see that and you know my my, my father-in-law is a great guy um pretty tech savvy you know for his age um you know but it was cool to see that kind of stuff in there which five years ago i said that would you knew never happen you know so it's yeah. kind of it's kind yeah. of cool to see you know the the next generation kind of own it a little bit and, and, and start taking some of that stuff on. You know, and that's mass evolving too. I mean, for us oh. old people. For what? Our sake, I'll yeah. Tell you. Yeah. It's, it's just, no, and what I mean by mass evolving is every three years. Yeah. It's upgrading. Yeah. Yep. So, so well, yeah, it wasn't that long hopefully ago. Hopefully the repeat. systems are in place where you can just upgrade with, with you know, with, with the dial of a computer yeah. you know without having to buy a whole new system right well when it wasn't that long ago you were trying to figure out how to rewind a cd exactly so uh <laughs> anyway well we, we talked a little bit you mentioned suits yes. and i mentioned dairy yes um another hot topic um the fair oaks farm dairy video yes you've seen it yes i've seen i've it. seen it it's sick it's rough it's disgusting it's rough it's horrible it's rough and i think if you look at their model, and I'm not trying to take a shot at them or anything like that. I mean, the video speaks for itself. Um, I think people just need to view it for themselves. Yeah, yeah. but but the, the thing is, that's a very corporate, very suit-ran company by the looks of it, right? Um, but the thing that's, that's really irritated me about this whole thing is the media is just blown up with farmers and ranchers, you know, beating their cattle and, and, and putting them in terrible conditions and, and that kind of stuff. And, and they're making everything. Like if, if, if you're, a, if you're a rancher, you, you milk cattle instantly, you're an animal abuser. Well, that's not the case. You know, the, that, that's these guys livelihood and, and anybody that's been around any kind of cattle or anything like that understands if, if an animal is in, stress or traumatized or anything like that it's not going to produce at the same level as it would before exactly you know a, a standard milk cow for instance seven gallons of milk a day right you obviously stress that out and it doesn't work 
the way that it's supposed to, you're down. Therefore, moving your profits down. Um, you know, I and I think a lot of it stems from people don't understand the life and and the work that goes into a farm. Are, are there cattle standing in shit that's deep? Sometimes, <laughs> yes, you do. But that's that's the fact of the life of it, right? But are those cattle doctored when they're sick? Right away, probably. The, the owner of that cattle or that cow is going to doctor his cow before he takes himself into the doctor, you know, and that's something that, that a lot of people don't understand. I've had the opportunity to, to, to see the dairy operations, um, like for instance, down in Southwest Kansas, yeah. um, they have some pretty good operations, you know, down there and, and, uh, and how they have them. They they take really good care of their animals. Yeah, and so so this video we're talking about does not represent. Yeah, does not represent the successful dairy farmers of America. Correct, correct. The true dairy farmers of yes. America. Yes. Well, you know, some of my most fond memories growing up as a kid as a kid was at my uncle's and aunt's dairy farm. You know, they they back then milked forty to sixty head of cattle. Um, Ironically enough, my aunt and uncle's named Jack and Coke. Not making it up. That's why they're such a good pair, evidently, because wow. they because they, they go together. I bet they have a lot of fun. Huh? <laughs> yeah, oh, they Ooh, do. Yeah. Well, wow. <laughs> but but you know, I, I would go and help them every every morning in the summertime before we'd go to the hayfield. So from the time I was six to probably sixteen, you know, I'd go and help in the morning milk. And the the thing is, that was their business. That was part of their business, yeah. right? Yeah. But every cow that came walking through that door to get milked had a name, you know? And you could tell there were some that they liked, some that they didn't, some cat, much like people, animals still have a personality, exactly. right? You had the ones that didn't get along very well where they were named things like Pepsi, you know? And you had the ones that they liked were named Cherry or, you know, Tina or something like that, Dying. right? Yeah, you know. exactly. So, of course. So for people to just put that judgment out there that because you're, you know, a rancher or a, a dairy producer, that your animals aren't treated well, that's BS. And, and, and I think a lot of it is, you get people that don't understand it because there's, there's, there's city folk. And, and I hate to say that and put people in a group, but they're people who don't understand, you know, what it's like to live in rural America. You know, people that, that think that, hey, we're gonna help the ozone, having cows not fart anymore exactly y and, you know and then you know and and we talk about this on a daily basis how much the media blows this bs up yeah yeah well, and gets it in the wrong hands yeah they get it in the wrong hands and it blows up and then mm -hmm. like you said the next thing they don't want car cows to they don't want carts to foul anymore yeah well and, and, it, and it's one of those things like you know everybody wants a successful economy right because that's what makes us tick and what, what drives our country. Well, there's about an estimated 1 billion, 1 billion of people who live or work on dairy farms worldwide. Wow, I didn't know it was that big. I mean, that's huge. You, you take that away? Look at the economy. That's yeah. amazing. That so, just blows me away. Yeah. Well, I think we should get into it with our, okay. our next guest. Um, sounds good, sounds good. We're gonna go out and visit Andy Arps. He is a... Uh, service manager for Platte Valley Equ Equipment. They have four locations here in Nebraska. 
um, one right next door kind of and the other one a few miles away and then they've got one north of us as, as well so um, we're gonna go talk with him kind of see what's shaking in the shop and very and that much kind of thing. looking forward to chatting with him and getting his input yeah all right all right so long farewell you bet all right Bye. take care Stay tuned next week for part two of this episode where we interview Andy Arps with Platte Valley Equipment.